Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cover Your Tracks. As always, I am your host, Eddie Collins. Shit, I hope y'all are doing good. I I know things are crazy right now. I I hope y'all are healthy. I hope everyone's safe. Just keeping busy as much as possible. Man, it's it's wild. But uh, I mean, hey, if you're uh if you're bored, there's plenty of entertainment out there. Plenty of podcasts. You can listen to the first couple episodes of this. Uh, my first guest, Terrain, also has his podcast, uh, Alcoholitics. Good friend of mine, Tony Blackwell. That man's got so many interviews with everyday people, uh, banging beers, not cool in high school. Uh, he's got a new one where he talks about the Redskins. I mean, this dude, this dude's a machine, but there's there's so much out there right now for you guys to check out. And uh, it'd be cool just to support everyone right now because everyone needs it in some way or another. It's uh, These are trying times, you know? But hey, we're all here. We're all, uh, we're all doing all right, I guess. Uh, today's episode is pretty cool. This is, uh, this is the first for the show. This is the first non-album edition of the show. I got to sit and have a conversation with a guy that I've known about for quite a while, but I just became friendly with recently, and uh, this dude is a road warrior, through and through, like, quintessential road guy, and I thought it would be cool to have an episode where instead of talking about his band's album right now, it'd be cool to just kind of get to know him a little more and, you know, pick his brain on some stuff and tell some stories. So let's jump into it. This is the conversation I had with John Ryan of Keep Flying. I can see my house from here And I like the view but it's dark up there So no tea and sympathy Will I mark in my misery I'll never crash in All right, what's up, dude? What's happening, brother? Not much, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, stoked. Uh, I love podcasts. I've been trying to tell myself for a while that I would start my own, but I just don't have any like full thought there. I don't know exactly <laughs> what one thing specific I would talk about or who yeah, I would talk with uh, and don't yeah. have any gear. I'm, I'm really that technologically was- bad. <laughs> that was like my big issue too when I was thinking of starting one I was like what the fuck am I going to do because I'm like well maybe I'll start one I'll talk about music and then I'm like but I, I want to talk about wrestling and I want to yep. talk about hockey and I want to talk about cartoons and shit and I was like uh, there's too much <laughs> it's kind of like just did you, did you watch Mania? I did we can what talk did, about that if you want <laughs> what, what did, did I, I think? I only got to watch so much. I, I got to watch um, a little bit of the first night. I was at work, so I had it streaming on my sure. phone. And I was just like, you know, check out every, you know, check out the matches every once in a while when I could. <sighs> it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. <laughs> um, I think they did a great service providing something versus canceling like everyone else because because they were able to because they were able to film in advance and Mm -hmm. adapt adapt with the roster that had become sick or were um, you know feeling like they might become sick and they're able to adapt um what what ended up being a pretty decent card now that being said there were definitely some surprise uh you know some surprise endings and uh outcomes that i was not expecting and then some that i was uh and they did some new things that they've never really done you know the boneyard match with taker and aj styles Styles. it was great actually like seen oh well i say great but i I, great for what it was you know i I loved it for me it was a it was a it was a short it was a short movie and I love The Undertaker, so I'm biased, but I just, I <laughs> loved it. You know, I was like, this is perfect. And then I oh, felt yeah. the same way about uh, Bray Wyatt and Cena. What another mm-hmm. random, cool, short movie that they made that yeah. just was 
so interesting and they've never done something like that. And I know it's because of the quarantine time, but man, I loved that. And I hope that they will consider doing some more stuff like that. Oh yeah. In the future. It, especially when you think about like, just a, like the production value of those, right. Those things alone, you know, like the, the ability to go back and rewatch those isn't going to be difficult. You know, it's like, it is a short movie. You can go back and watch those and enjoy those things again and it not be like super, super cringy. Oh, I even told friends who were like, I didn't watch, which should I watch? <laughs> I said, just really honestly go to the Boneyard match in the scene versus Bray Wyatt. They're like, what about the actual wrestling? I'm like, um, you know, it, it's def. there wasn't besides Rollins Owens. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel much was there that I couldn't just read. Uh, yeah. Because I, I often read um, wrestling results and mm-hmm. watch like quick recap um, when I'm just too busy to sit down and watch a whole event. So I will say like wrestling wise, I, you know, there wasn't anything too like, wow. But there was some yeah. stuff in the Rollins Owens match. That I would say, watch that match. But like everything else, you could read. But the you, I cannot summarize the scene of Wyatt and the Boneyard match. I cannot like tell you that will do no service. Reading, <laughs> you have to just watch it, and they're not long. Yeah. Really, less than ten minutes each. Yeah, they're not super long, but they're they're effective. Correct. They do what they were supposed to do, for sure. The only yeah. the only thing that really bothered me, I think, was. It's kind of a long... Okay, so back when they were, you know, they were building Brock Lesnar up to be that, like, unstoppable force, and he was taking out everyone, and he ended Taker's uh, WrestleMania streak, and it was like, you know, he was, like, the big guy. And then Goldberg comes in, and Goldberg beats him in, what, what was it, like, 30 seconds or something stupid? Like... That shit kind of pisses me off when they do things like that. So when they did a similar thing with Shayna Baszler... And she's like this unstoppable force. And then obviously, you know, Becky beats her. It was kind of just like, why, why take the time to, roll to up build too. some up? Yeah. Like, that, that stuff kind of just irritates yeah. me, but I'm glad Becky's still. Uh, you know, I think top. that <laughs> they definitely, um, well, I don't know what their strategy is moving forward. That's the big issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, I mean, raw was three matches. Yeah. And recap. It was nothing on Raw. Normally, we all look forward to the Raw after Mania the way we look at Mania because it's normally the restart for the future. But there was not none of that. They haven't restarted anything because I don't think that they necessarily know what their plan is going to be yeah. for the next two months or so. Like moving yeah. on and the Raw after Mania, I mainly watch like because of the crowd. The crowd is okay, correct. Always popping. Yeah, and I don't know if you watched, but there was nothing. There was legitimately no news story, no nothing. It was as if man. it was just a regular Raw. I think they're going to save that big one for like yeah. the first one back with people. Yeah. I think they may even run a campaign where they're like, this is going to be our first event back with people. It's going to be as if it's going to be the start of the, of the new, everything's going to change kind of thing. And I think that be that'll cool. be it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know when that's going to be able to happen. I don't, as of now, it's nah. seemingly, as far as for our music world goes, really big events are, are being moved all the way into July now. So, yeah, I don't know when they're going to be able to hold big events, not at the Performance Center. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we'll see. Maybe their first yeah. one back will be with people will be at the performance center since it's a much smaller capacity. That might make sense for them to do. Yeah. They might they might legally be allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, once we're be, back to normal. I definitely respect the fact that they're uh that they're keeping it going though. And that they're they're trying to do their best with, you know, the situation. Hundred percent AEW yeah. too. I, it, it I would, watch that it would be cool Wednesday. to see. Yeah, it would be cool to see if they were doing what we, like AEW is doing with the with some of the uh, like the athletes are you know around the ring. So at least there's like yeah, some I think that, you that's know chatter. Well. Yeah, because it, it brings comedy. a little more. It's element. very indie, very indie wrestling. You know, they're yeah. laughing. They're like having a good time. Yeah, you know, and I that's think, like the thing with smart. you know a lot of the a lot of the athletes and stuff are you know they feed off 
the crowd energy all the time. So when you throw people in there to to tell a story and do that with nobody reacting, it's kind of like it's weird. It's super weird to watch, and it's got to be even weirder for them to to go in there and do it. So right. just putting anybody on the side of the ring just to you know have somebody to play to would be would be pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh shit. Fucking love wrestling. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Um, oh man, Wait, yeah, dude. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about like your touring career and stuff. Like uh, like I don't know, just take me back to like the beginning. How did you get started in like in music in general, and then eventually? Into- um. So I mean, like as a teenager, I was very into like well a lot of different music, but I fell into like a punk scene, ska scene. Mm-hmm. And then I started. I had a f- couple bands at the same time that I was wa- a couple bands I was playing drums in, a couple bands that I was playing sax in, and then I was asked to join a band from Connecticut called the Flaming Tsunamis, and that was like my first touring band. And I quit my other bands to basically half move to New Haven and write new music, and then start touring essentially full time immediately. Um, hmm. I was 19 and, uh, flaming tsunamis toured like pretty much the way that keep flying tours now where it's just like relentless nonstop, yeah. um, which is, was awesome. And it, 2005 was a great time. Like early two thousands was like still like a lot of DIY, like easy to do. There was nothing but my space at that time. So mm-hmm. we were, we were getting the word out via MySpace bulletins and printing out directions on MapQuest and putting them in a binder. Um, Because I don't think anyone in my band had a smartphone. I did not have a cell phone. I think think smartphones are still kind of like... They were still uh, like on the up then. My drummer got a sidekick at some point. I remember that was like a big deal. I remember getting a prepaid cell phone. (laughs) Right. Yeah. At some point, I got my first cell phone, and it was the Nokia brick, and it was like a prepaid cell phone with like I paid for texts, like an amount of texts, and I oh, have to yeah. make phone calls after 9 p.m. and on the weekends because they were free. <laughs> I only had like Man. 200 minutes or something. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's so crazy. So we toured pretty. Changed. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I try to talk to like my friends who are 21, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, ah, "Don't worry about it." Um, but even for me, like my friend Boofish used to drive around seven seconds, and he would tell me back in the day, and he would tell me stories like, "Motherfucker, we used to, I used to drive into town, go to a payphone, and call the venue to find out where they were from where the hell I was." I'm like, "That is just crazy." You know, I mean, that's yeah. even when there was even less stuff. Oh, so man. that, you know, the logistics for that kind of stuff in, in the seventies, eighties is just, you know, just a different thing. Yeah. Um, um, so we toured full time. I joined another band uh, a couple years later called we are the union. I was in both bands mm-hmm. and they were a Detroit based band. And I went back and forth between long Island, new Haven, Connecticut and Detroit. And the 2007 was the year that like both of my bands toured uh, pretty much back to back. At that point, I was doing most of the booking for both bands. So mm-hmm. I would book it in a way that worked for the rest of my band members, but also in a way that like one tour would end and the next one would begin. Nice. Uh, in fact, so with you... With you booking those tours too, were you kind of like, in a sense, doing like the TM work also? Uh, yes, both bands, the singers of both of my old bands did most of the business until okay. I joined each band respectively. And slowly I started doing more of the business. I think mm-hmm. I was always like born to do music business, as mm-hmm. it turns out, because then I spent, you know, almost a decade doing working in music business now post those bands so i think that is accurate um so like some responsibilities would get passed over to me some were still split and some the singers but like mostly 
pretty much just me and my respective singers of those two bands did did all of the work mm -hmm. um as far as tming goes yeah it did fall that way because i'm also just a social person and yeah. quite honestly again both of those respective singers were not necessarily at those times maybe it's different now but at those times weren't the most social mm -hmm. uh, and um warmingly welcoming to all of the people who <laughs> not bad but i yeah. was just overzealous i think because i was in tft i was younger and in we are the union i was just like i had already done so much touring from tft that i felt like i had knew, known so many people yeah so i felt like confident um i certainly over the years became the person who was like essentially the tm the 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 day person for i i become friends with all the promoters the promoters then became my friends and mm -hmm. most of them are still friends with me to this day i was actually interesting story just played a house show in wilmington north carolina with my current band um after not playing there for years and years once the soapbox laundry lounge and lucky's pub in wilmington closed down the scene kind of died there like eastern north carolina it the shows kind of started moving to raleigh if mm -hmm. if that mostly it's just charlotte as you know but yeah. um we went back because somebody was able to set up a house show and oh, that's uh, awesome my friend mitch who was the promoter forever in wilmington he lives there still and he hit me up random and was like i see your bands playing in town i gotta come out and i was like damn this is awesome <laughs> um and i hadn't seen him in a long time and we just shot the shit and caught up and um, it just reminded me of this, how small the world really is and how time is really, I know it sounds corny, but it's super relative. That guy's been booking my band since 2005. Jeez. And here we are and it's 2020 and yeah. I'm playing a show that he's coming and hanging out with me at a house show. We're both older guys. Oh, we're man. both just having a great time. Like we're both still clearly like enjoying our lives. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That's cool. We um, had a like a similar situation. Our our guitarist Chris is from uh he's from Tennessee from like the Kingsport area. And mm -hmm. we uh we had a show in Johnson City, which is super close. Yep. And the venue we played at was the venue that he like grew up playing at. And the front of house guy that is at that venue is the same one that was there when he was like playing in cover bands and shit. So like I love we that. played this we played this ridiculous show and it was just like, he was just like walking into home kind of like, you know, time stood still and he's like fucking 15 again in this venue. <laughs> it's pretty Is that wild. the high tone? That was, well, um, oh, that's going to bother me. I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, I used, I we used to play though. shows there early two thousands as well. Like Johnson city had a lot of shows. Yeah. Yeah. We I used know to play with a band called stuck lucky and we'd play there all the time to know people basically. Uh, that's awesome. I think he said there's a there's a venue next door to it. It's called like I think he said it was called the Hideaway, and it's like where all like the heavier bands would play. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then that, this maybe one that's like, it. Maybe that's mm -hmm. it. Hideaway. Yeah, but yeah, super cool place. Super cool people. Anyway, yeah, I love continue. that. Continue. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, there was a guy John who worked at the New Brooklyn Tavern um, in Columbia, South Carolina, who had been. Yeah front of house guy for 1 million years and i saw him throughout my whole career playing oh, in bands awesome. then working for bands he would just still be there it just would be like i can't believe this guy's this is awesome i'm hanging out with this guy <laughs> so that's that that is cool we have a a, a bowling alley here on long island that i've been playing mm -hmm. since i was a teenager that is still allowing shows to happen and keep what? flying has gotten to play there once a year um since we started in oh, the summer wow. and it's been like each time that's the exact feeling i have i see the woman old, old woman barbara she's there <laughs> she's excited and i'm like i've been playing here for now over half my life like i Man. was a teenager coming to events here and now i'm in my 30s playing for teenagers and adults at the same bowling alley who's not raised their prices <laughs> 12 dollars bands all night plus free bowling plus free shoe rental what like, that's a, yeah we've been that's a it's, steal. <laughs> it's a staple and it's been that it's been like that for over 15 years 
Yeah. So it's cool. I definitely know that that feeling of coming back to the grounds and just being like, this rocks that we're still here. Yeah. It just feels innocent and it feels so like genuine when we know there's a lot of fuckery in the music industry. Um, yeah. We had a, we have a, a roller rink here in, uh, in Pottsville that used to host shows forever. It was like where my, like my first band started playing, like my brother's bands played there. Like both of my brothers, my sister's bands played there, like everyone. And it was been, it was like that for years. And I think they just sold the place within like the last couple of days or something. I remember hearing that it, it finally sold and, and now it's gone forever. We had, I remember like, yeah, like Texas in July played up there a couple times with us. And like, we would try to bring in some like bigger bands and, you know, just to like get people to this venue and try to yep. like get the, uh, you know, get it to like establish a following and stuff. But it was, it was pretty wild, man. I miss those days. <laughs> Crazy stuff, bro. Hell yeah. Kind of cool though. <clears throat> it is. Yeah, it definitely is. But yeah, so like, um, so how, how many years have you been on the road now? Uh, 2005 is when I really started touring mm-hmm. full time. So 2020. So I guess 15. Like, that's like kind of dark. <laughs> that's awesome. Though. That, that's so like awesome and dark. Um, right now we, oh, here's a great fact. This next week will be, will be a, will, I will be passing the threshold of the longest consecutive time that I have been both at home and in one place Oof. since 2005. Wow. Because I've always been on the move my whole forever. This will yeah. be the longest stretch of time. The, I got home from the Silverstein canceled run on March 16th, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And like a month, a month is about the longest consecutive time that I've been in one place. Wow. Yeah. What's the, what's the longest stretch you've had? On tour? Like on tour, yeah. Uh, straight? Well, here's the thing. Like I was saying, there's a lot of times where it's back to back, like in with when I had two bands at the same time. Mm-hmm. But but since Keep Flying has started to now, our touring each year has gone more and more and more. Uh, mm-hmm. But the last two years, you know, I still tour managed four year. It really has been like booking the tours so that the it lines up with like two days after the four year tours end and then yeah. keep flying tours end right before four year tours start. So I, mm-hmm. you know, the longest stretch of with one band, like the longest tour I've ever done. That was one, one thing. My old band, the flaming tsunamis did a tour that was like three and a half months long in 2007. Jeez, um, yeah. and it was awesome. Uh, and it definitely shaped me for sure. That's why now when like people complain about a three week tour, I'm like three weeks, mm-hmm. three weeks, yeah. motherfucker. If it's under two months, it's it's it doesn't feel long to me. Mm-hmm. I think the and longest I, I did was like two. It was probably like two no. months and a week or something like that when I was out with Hulud in like 2015. Yeah, they. So it was like so Shy Hulud. Matt Fox is guilty of doing long tours and playing oh, yeah. a lot of markets and making. I get it. I do understand yeah. that. Yeah. It makes sense. It was for, it was for, uh, it was crazy, but it was it was a good good and bad experience. But more, I guess I I don't know. I guess you could say the good outweighed the bad. I met a lot of really cool people on that on that tour. I've had a lot of friends play in Shai Halud. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> um, I love Matt, but um, we don't need to discuss. Uh, <laughs> um, it's what, I actually just did a an episode of the podcast with a another Long Islander, um, my buddy Scott from Cryptodira. Oh, cool. he was one of the he was one of the people I met on that run. And, awesome. Uh, I've kept in contact with those dudes and excited for their new album. I think it's going to be pretty. Yeah, great. they've been grinding. They 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 rock. Oh yeah, dude, those dudes are oh. fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, they're so shredding. Like, oh yeah. Take me, uh, like, why don't you take me through some of, like, uh, like your, like, earliest, like, fond tour moments, like, some of the, the things that, like, stick in your head the most. Becoming vegan. That changed That's my life. 
That's awesome. I was Flammy Tsunamis were on tour with a band called Call It Arson, uh, of which of which two of the members were vegan. Uh, one was vegetarian at the time. Mm-hmm. I believe he's vegan now. Um, and we they were only four people. We were five or six. I don't remember if Matt was playing keys at that time. Um, and we basically stayed at the same places every night together. Mm-hmm. Like we stayed with friends together. And I'd watch them eat every night. And I remember asking them a lot of questions about being vegan. And they would cook their own food because this was a time where there wasn't that many restaurants yet. Like it wasn't like a big thing yet. Still. Yeah. And since then, I've I've made friends with a lot of people who've been vegan for way longer than I have. And I asked them and they're like, oh, there was nothing. You didn't go out. You just cooked. Mm-hmm. You, you bought groceries and you cooked. Um, but yeah, that band changed my life. You know, I, I me and my singer started questioning veganism and we went vegan essentially at the same time mm-hmm. um and we started cooking on the road after that like getting crock pots and uh we'd steal groceries and spend no money <laughs> on food and cook at the <laughs> venues um i remember i have a fond moment of my old drummer freaking out on us one day that we he wasn't getting enough protein because we were only cooking vegan food and he like broke uh like a broke a mirror off the side of our mini bus that we had at the time. Oh, and then I, ironically, <laughs> years later, he went vegan. Um, oh, wow. He was like a bodybuilder guy. Okay. But ironically, years later, he went vegan. So it, it all came full circle. Um, <laughs> uh, and I love that dude still. This guy, Craig, he's awesome. awesome. He's having a kid soon. So I'm happy for him. Um, oh, very cool. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. I changed my life. Um, uh, being asked to leave my, le- my band, we are the union changed my life. Um, Ooh. I played the best show of my life. It was an outdoor show in my town across from my high school at a bar called Sinclair's. It was mm-hmm. all of the big ska punk bands at the time. Um, the fad, which was another band I played sax for, uh, in some of the mm-hmm. songs, um, bomb the music industry. Um, uh, we are the union, uh, mm-hmm. amongst others. It was packed. I watch videos now of that, of everyone outside. It was so packed and crazy. Um, and I'll never, awesome. it was my favorite show. And, and then the, right after that show, they asked me to leave the band and, and that night and I walked home. Uh, it was one of those moments that it was the biggest high and the lowest low I've ever had in the same day. Uh, that was a day that I realized like, well, and it is never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be, I'm never going to get everything I want, mm-hmm. uh, which it's not that I necessarily thought I'm going to get everything I want all the time, <laughs> but I definitely had a sense of, I can make this happen. And that was like the first biggest loss I think I've really had in my life. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was watching everything that I had just built culminate to what at the time and for years to follow was the best show I had ever played mm-hmm. into being asked to quit, essentially. It's crazy. Um, it wiped, it wiped me out. I walked home and, um, cause it wasn't far, a mile. I walked home. I don't even remember feeling anything except nothing. Like, like I was devastated. I think I was in shock. This was May, 2009. Mm-hmm. And you know, then I look back now and it had to happen because like less than a week later, a loss for words, my friends, Maddie and Marky, I vented to them and they told me, why don't you just fly out and do the rest of this tour with us as like our merch person and helper. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then from there, I gave up the dream of playing music for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, to start working crew, something that I didn't know that I wanted to do. And as it turns out, I love doing, Yeah, I love, I love being crew as well. I love helping other people live, um, their dream. Now that at the time I was still making music at home with a band of like older guys who had also used to tour and don't tour anymore. So it was fun. You know, we were writing songs, recording, playing local shows. That was fun. Yeah. But um, 
sometime between 2009 and 2016 is when I started really feeling like, um, I, I am happy to still help people live their dream, but I, I'm having a harder time as the years go by helping people live my dream. Yeah. And it started coming back at me. Mm-hmm. I, I started playing sax with a lot of touring bands, like one, one song or writing parts to play on stage. And I'd get a little taste of it and it would hold me over for a while. Wonder years used to let me do that. Hello, goodbye, saves the day, mm-hmm. four years, say your goals. All these bands like, well, go ahead, play a song, like play, play a solo in this part instead. Like and that would hold me over. Yeah. Um, but also feed the machine again, mm-hmm. make me realize like I want to do that. I'm perform, I entertain on stage. I don't just play sax. I put a show on. I entertain. I, I'm, I'm a psychopath. I'm running around all over the place. I'm doing magic tricks. I'm making people laugh. Yep. I'm getting people fired up. I'm hyping people up. No, That's what I do. You definitely. You, you know, and you do it well too. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Oh, like, yeah, dude. People ask, like, who's the front man and keep flying? Well, we're all kind of front men, but Henry's our lead singer, but I'm definitely the hype guy. Yeah. I get my band members more hyped up. Yeah. Man, I remember I seeing play sax, not all the song. Yeah. So I'm able to do stuff in the places where I'm not playing that no one else can do because they're still playing. Yeah. Man, I remember seeing Henry play shows like forever ago because I, I used to play with a band from uh from the Scranton area called uh Terror on the Screen. And uh we would play shows. You guys play with Survey. We would play with Survey all the time. Stroudsburg yep. and you yep. know, whatever. So it's like it's so cool to see him still fucking doing it and just absolutely killing it right now. You know, survey was coming to an end and Henry can't, this is how keep flying birth. Mm -hmm. It was coming to an end. They couldn't keep members. It was down to just Henry and his brother. Mm -hmm. And he came to my house and was like, my brother don't want to play ska really no more. He like, he's tired of it. He was upset. Henry wanted to be that last ska band that came in and, did it. They did almost everything they could. They toured with Goldfinger in the UK. They toured with Real Big Fish a few times. Mm-hmm. They played all the ska festivals and it wasn't going anywhere else. And they weren't, ha- they were having a hard time keeping members. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were really close and I was like, well, why don't you just try taking the upstrokes out? Why don't you just try making it the punk? And he's like, that's not really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, and that kind of birthed the first keep flying EP. You know, of which once he once he did finish demoing them, he was like, "Did you want to record on the record?" I was like, "Yeah, of course I want to do that." Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I got there, I was like, I told him I wanted to be in the band, and despite everything that I had said <laughs> about not being in a band again, I toured, and uh, we got right to work. You know, um, that's awesome. It's very the younger members of my band are fortunate because they. Again, this isn't a brag, but Henry and I have both put so much time in. Mm-hmm. We've we've already learned from mistakes we made. We've grown from things on the road and figuring out DIY stuff. Granted, we're a little bit older, so like we don't have we don't run a, a band Snapchat, which some would say might be beneficial. Yeah, we don't run a band TikTok, which some would say might be beneficial. But like, I just don't have the capacity for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I got the guys ten years younger who can. Maybe do that stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but we, we, you know, we're for DIY, man, we're doing pretty much top work you can do. We're, we're doing it smart. We're not losing money. Yeah. We're touring with other like-minded bands that want to, that want to be seen with us, that enjoy us, mm-hmm. that enjoy our company, both on and off the stage instead of like feeding the machine of just doing what, Oh, that's just what you should do. Yeah. Doing what we want to do. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. I'm happy that, I mean, that band came at a time for me that needed to happen. It made me realize that this is what I really want to be doing. Now, that being said, I love tour managing. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be quitting anytime soon, but I'm definitely not like looking for new clients because I'm very busy with trying to play music again. Mm-hmm. So then that, you know, Granted, Corona has put a little damper, but the rest of this year is just back and forth as it's been between wrapping up one tour with four year and some overseas fest festivals. Mm-hmm. And then just the rest of the year spent with keep flying. We got a new record that's 
Uh, I just got right before we started speaking. I got a mix three. Oh, awesome! So we're gonna send that to the guys and listen to that. We we announced a live record yesterday. Very excited for that. That was already that was already in the works. It just so happened to be this. No, we have changed no time frame. It just so happens that this is now coming out in this pandemic era with no shows. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say it works in our favor because that sounds like I'm trying to profit off of people. But, uh, I mean, it definitely is a live record in a time when no one's even releasing records because the record sales are doing poorly. Mm-hmm. And we, it's like we're going to put it on Bandcamp. You can listen to it for free. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. To me, it's like, wow, that's a cool ass thing to be in a time w- where people don't have live music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's perfect. Um, like, it's, it's weird to say that it couldn't have worked out any better, you know. I agree. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm excited I for mean, it. I'm, I'm definitely picking it up. And it's it's <laughs> it's raw, man. It was a handheld device. Yeah. That we put in the back of the room. There's no edits. There's no. All we did was cut it, cut the track mm-hmm. into where the songs are, and I sent it to our friend John DeClario, and he mastered it for two hundred dollars. Awesome. That's it. There's I, I no edits. The there's no too. overdubs. Yeah, I love how it's just the task cam, like on the the That's cover it. of it. That fu- it's so perfect. Jesse and I. Jesse does a lot of our photo video stuff. We we came up with that idea, mm-hmm. and then we were like, why don't we do the set list on the back of hands holding it. So the girl who plays flute with us, it's her hands holding the set list, which is essentially the track list. Awesome. And, um, me and Peter, he's into, you know, rap and hip hop. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and he, we were talking about colors and we got to like, it should be pastel and we agreed on pink. And I think that that also worked out. Yeah. Um, and then going back and forth with our guy, Matt at smart punk, we were trying to figure out it's an, it's like 59 minutes Mm-hmm. So we couldn't fit it on one twelve inch. So we were gonna do a double LP, but then I was like, "That just seems like bold and cocky and expensive." <laughs> yeah. And so I brought up the, "Why don't we do the twelve inch seven inch?" Like the pullover will fit on the seven inch, and mm-hmm. I was met with a little, a little hesitancy on that. Mm-hmm. People were like, "I think that looks kind of weird," and I was like, "Well, there, I I can only speak what I'm familiar with. We had just done." Four year rise or die trying 10 year anniversary, mm-hmm. which is on a 12 inch and a seven inch. Yeah. And I said, and it's fine. It's just a 12 inch in a sleeve in there and the seven. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The binding is like another two millimeters thick to account for the extra vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to think any poor thing poorly of it. And no one has mentioned that once, at least in the feedback I've seen. No one cares. Nah. It's just, oh, it doesn't fit on a 12 inch. So it's it's the first ten tracks split on the A B and then the seven inch is one song each on side C and D because we talk before each of the last two songs mm-hmm. like for three minutes. That's awesome though. I think it's like that's a really cool way to go about it. I don't know, like I'm I'm a vinyl nut kind of like I grew up right. around it. My dad has a collection that's just like probably like 40,000, 40, 45s and like another 15,000 LPs or something like in the house growing up. So like I was around that shit constantly. And like something like that's really cool to have. Like, you know, you can have your your double LP and your, your triple LP sets. But like when it's just like, you know, something like this or yeah, it doesn't fit on on a single LP, throw it on the seven inch. That's awesome. I think that's such a Why cool not? idea. And it's not a lot of record like releases like that. No. And also who cares? The the whole I'm telling Matt at Smart Punk, I'm like, the biggest thing here is that we're doing one time only press. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we let people know it ain't gonna get repressed. Yeah. And that it's only three hundred. Mm-hmm. We're doing it for our people. It isn't to make money. No. It isn't to make new fans it it is to give some the people who don't collect vinyl something to listen to we're not putting it on spotify mm-hmm. or apple music because we're not trying to make money from streaming it yeah. you don't need people to stream it if you really want to hear it you go to the band camp mm-hmm. if you really want to support us it's going to be five bucks on the band camp oh that's awesome for, for the record yeah i mean five bucks you know, if you don't mind, throw us the five bucks or or buy the record, mm-hmm. which for us is for our current people. Yeah. That is a thing that's like there's only 300. And after our copies, there's really only like 285. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's not many people are going to have it. It's a cool thing, and we're not repressing it. Yeah. So if you really like support the band, it's not expensive. We put it up for twenty five bucks. Smart Punk store. We haven't told everyone this. I mean, Smart Punk has, but the, every, their cart is automatic twenty five percent off until coronavirus is over. Oh wow! So the record's really only eighteen and change. That's amazing. And it, um, that was cool that you're doing the test press ones also. And we're right. We 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 made instead. We normally only order twenty. Mm-hmm. We ordered thirty five. So we can because we have a lot of people who collect vinyl who tell us every release. I never got a test press, and we're like, well, we only have our copies left, and no one in the band is willing to sell their copy yeah. if they're in the band. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've done a couple contests with some loose ones, but this time we said, you know what? Let's just order an extra fifteen mm-hmm. for those people, and sadly. You know, I know this is not going right up, but this by the time that this is up, the, the this the record will already been up. Yeah, <laughs> I've had response of way more than fifteen people saying that they're aiming for that test press bundle. Mm-hmm. So they ain't gonna get it. Yeah, um, it's tough. And I'm sorry in advance, <laughs> but you're you're just not all gonna get it yeah. because I've had at least twenty something comments saying, "Oh, I'm going for the test press." Mm-hmm. Um, we we did have like two extras on top of that that we'll probably use for. Some sort of contest later on. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just think if it was a band that I liked and they, and they did a one time pressing of something rare mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, I would also buy it. Yeah. Cause I'd be like, well, there's, I want that because that's the collector's piece now. Exactly. That's um, like, and you, you look at bands like, like Glassjaw where everything they do is super limited and it makes it, way more desirable but it's like the people who really want it like there's a lot of people that want it It sucks for the people that don't get it but like the people that do get it like really cherish that shit you know 100 percent. and that's why i i always loved like super limited you know runs of things like i i picked up that uh that that four-year the brain pain hoodie that they did with merch limited or whatever there's like a hundred of them with the the glow in the dark vinyl and stuff. I was like, Oh yeah. Like, right. Yep. I, they're like one of my favorite bands. Of course I'm going to get that. Yeah. You know, like, yep. And it's just like Those sold out quick. Yeah. And it's just like people appreciate that stuff. Cause they know it's limited yeah. and they like, you know, they yeah. kind of covet it. <laughs> and it's like, if you know anything about music business, you know that there's not a lot of money being made on that. Mm-hmm. It's it really true with vinyl specifically, you know, that it's truly made for fans. Yeah. You're not really making money from vinyl when the vi- when the records are individually costing about six something a unit mm-hmm. uh, plus the shipping, and you're only selling them for fifteen bucks, uh, and and the label sold them to you for two dollars more. Yeah. So it's six fifty plus shipping. It's now it's like seven fifty, and then two dollars more. It's nine fifty, and you're selling this record for fifteen bucks on the table. Mm-hmm. You're making five bucks. Yeah, you know what I mean, and you're not moving a lot of units. You're moving oh, over oh, for us, for for us, for instance, three hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm very honest with our our people, our community. It's like if we make fifteen hundred dollars on three hundred records, that we have a fifty fifty split with Smart Punk. Mm-hmm. That's seven hundred and fifty dollars. That's not an actual amount of money. We don't. We have never. We have never taken one cent out of our share of our smart punk funds from selling records because we leave it in the account to go towards the next pre- next thing that we press. Yeah. Which is smart. So we have yet to make one cent on a single physical record sale. You know, on the road, we just did this real big fish tour. We were selling copies of unbreakable for $5. Mm-hmm. They cost us $4 and 10 cents. Yeah. We're not making money. We're making 90 cents. Yeah. But that is, we're on tour with Real Big Fish trying to make new fans, trying to get people excited. Mm-hmm. We just want people to have the product on their, in their shelf, on, on their wall, mm-hmm. uh, in their record player. And it works because we sold them for $5. People were like, oh yeah, that's like Warp Tour style, like selling CDs for $5. Yeah. Well, the CD's dead now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy so, to see that. It's, I mean, I, I see it a lot. On the on the crowbot runs too, where it's you know vinyl is definitely outselling CDs, and it's it's kind of right. cool to see the way that 
vinyl has uh like that vinyl resurgence is is wild to me like i never thought i would see it's that collector's thing like you were saying it is a collector gets excited limited quantity Mm -hmm. you know knowing that you and only x number of people have this item yeah and that's what's awesome because it's that feels good it's a lot of people that you know I would never expect to, you know, own a turntable or what anything like that. But a lot of these people don't own, own turntables. They're just buying it because Correct. it's cool to them. Like it's a, it's another way to support the band. They could be like, oh yeah, check out this this sweet variant that I have. You know, that will never get played or anything, but I have it. <laughs> and it's like that's cool. Like as long Mom, as people love it and they support the band, it, it's just it's a win win. I have way over a thousand record players and I'm, I'm not ashamed at all to say I don't have no record player here. Mm-hmm. I have no space in my home yeah. right now. I don't currently have a space. So I buy all these records that made, I don't even open them. <laughs> I just like to either A, support the artist, B, I really like the artist or I like, I collect a lot of soundtracks. Oh, that's scores cool. of movies. Nice. So, um, and when they, they sucker me with the variants, when I see five variants, all limited to 200, I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to buy all five. Yeah. I don't need five. <laughs> I can't help it though. My brain is instantly like, I'm going to want all five. Yeah. I want to feel like I completed that collection mm-hmm. immediately. That's, I, I, and we, I, and I know you probably see that with Crowbot and we see it with Keep Flying. Yeah. We have people who are begging us for test presses because our only thing I'm missing from all your variants is this one test press, or, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And I was never like, if I owned a copy of the album, I was just stoked to have a copy of it. And now, like, you know, in the past couple of years, I've been like on that variant chase. It, and it, I think it started right. with uh, with Circa. Like, I started chasing some like Circa variants and stuff. And I was like, I need them. Like, I want them. I need them. And then it just kept going. And now, you it know, it goes from there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a vicious cycle, man. It does not stop. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm happy. I mean, it took us two years to get vinyl out for our first two EPs. Mm-hmm. They're on like one 12 inch. Yeah. Cause we were just like such a small little band, but now it's like, I know I'm happy to know that all of our music has been put out on wax and will always be put out on wax as a collector myself. Mm-hmm. When I look at bands, discographies and I find out certain records of theirs were never pressed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, damn it. I know there's reasons why you know, probably music business things, yeah. but, um, or legal things. Or when I see like a record, for instance, again, another band that I talk about, cause I'm, I deal with them every day, mm-hmm. but four year, some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. their, their second release on universal was a one time pressing on black vinyl only that I think limited to a thousand or 2000 copies. And then they never pressed it again. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. And that was because that was because universal spent, hundreds of thousands of dollars on that record cycle and it never recouped not even close yeah so of course they're not going to repress the record they're not going to spend more money mm-hmm. they're owed three hundred thousand dollars on that record mm-hmm. cycle you understand so yeah. i do know like why things happen the way they happen um but yeah i mean cd it's it's not we the real big fish tour we just did like a couple old heads Mm-hmm. Well, a lot actually, but old heads looking for CDs. Yeah. And we told, we made a decision last year that when our CDs for our old EPs ran out, when we put out on Unbreak, Unbreakable, we didn't do a CD because we were like, no, we're mm-hmm. not doing that. It's just a seven inch. But we finished this new EP. Um, and we did make a conscious decision that we would put into pressing this year to coincide with the release of the new uh, EP on, it's going to be one side of a 12 inch. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a a new CD that is called series one. That is just all four of the the EPs that the band has released so far, because Mm -hmm. the way we feel now is that if you're still looking to buy a CD, you do not want eight tracks for $5. Instead, we're going to give you 20 tracks for $5, which is all the songs that we have. Oh, that's awesome. Because I, I, it's like, you know, there are, if, where are you listening to this? In your car mm-hmm. or at home? You're not listening to it on, in a, in a disc player. That's gone. Yeah. It's either in your car or at home. And at that point, I'd rather give you all the music we've ever made so that you, so it doesn't need, so it doesn't become a disc thrown out the window. Yeah. So that it is. And that's how it used to be. 
90s and early 2000s when bands put out full lengths that had 17 songs on them and then like put out comps. Mm-hmm. I remember, and you probably do too, like getting comp CDs of like 30 songs. Oh, dude. The shit actually didn't leave my CD player no. because I would be like, there's so many songs. Yep. like, And it was all different bands. Yep. And I've, I found so um, many, so many of my favorite bands through comps, through like so many. Century Media and all those other big, you know, like bigger metal labels at the time when I was really into metal. Like, all that shit right. was great. Rise and dude, there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah. So for us, it's like we rather someone new who someone who's seeing us at a show that we're of a band we're supporting be like, you have CDs? Yeah, man. Five bucks for this one. It's all of our music. They've never heard of us before that night. They're going to go home that night with yep. the CD in their car and they're going to be able to decide if they actually like the band or not <laughs> and which songs they like more than others. Yep. And they, then maybe they go backwards to our old catalog and they get stoked that way. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they stream and maybe they buy old vinyl or whatever it is that they're going to do. Yep. It just makes sense because it doesn't cost more money to put more music on a CD. As you know, no. it's just the packaging. Yep. It's not the CD. So for us, it's like, we're out of press on all the other records, CD wise. Let's just make one CD that has all the music. Uh, I love it. That's so that, awesome. that's 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 the plan for now. An entire discography, and, um, that, and we'll make a thousand. <laughs> and just we're not, we're not going to push them. That's going to just be like a oh, you're one of those people at the show tonight who are looking for a CD. Yes, yeah. This is why we made these for you. That's and awesome. they'll probably stick around for a long time. Thousand CDs. I'd say we get one to two people per show. Ask. Yeah. So you're talking about in a given year, if we do 200 shows, we might move, we might move 200 CDs yeah. in a year. But that's, uh, so I think it's good. They'll last. Yeah. Oh no. Even if, you know, you, you have a thousand CDs and you push a couple of them or something like that. Like it's still, that's, you just push 10 of them. That's 10 more people with your entire discography that right. can fucking right, jam exactly. whatever they want whenever they want like it's better than absolutely and nothing. i think i think we're gonna see more of that with the small bands with the diy bands yeah like, like my friends this band makeshift called me they were talking to me about like <clears throat> putting their new record out they were like vinyl digital i'm like yeah cd though man cd mm-hmm. like why what do you what do you mean like you're really better off like spending the money and pressing vinyl you're gonna sell more yeah um, it's more exciting and you're going to feel good about it because it's your music. It looks like it has value versus the disc. How many people have gone through their room and thrown CDs right in the trash can? Yep. I just did it yesterday. Yeah. No, I, I do it all just the did time. It yesterday. I'm looking at a box right now directly in front of me. Yep. My sister CDs. I just cleaning out her room for her. Let's see. Hairspray soundtrack, Lady Gaga, the fame monster, Demi Lovato, <laughs> Maroon five, panic at the disco, Josh Groban, yep. Jack Johnson, pink, Shrek, and I asked her, you want these? She goes, oh no, you can just throw those out. Yeah, you wouldn't do that with vinyl. So all that music, <laughs> you wouldn't throw out vinyl? Yeah, exactly. No way. Absolutely not. And you look at it and go, oh, well, there's at least value here. I could at least maybe sell this to someone else. Yeah, because you know somebody will want CD, it. It's, it's hard to find somebody that wants now, CDs. <laughs> it's crazy, man. And I know we used to collect them. Mm-hmm. I, I did. Oh, yeah. I used to go to the store every week and buy more. Dude, I remember. I used to hunt for used CDs at the wall. Yep, having the the disc change or the like the uh, those like binders, you know, like in my car of like all these different CDs oh, and yeah. stuff. And hundred and twenty eight CD yeah, binder. Spend twenty minutes sitting in my yep. sitting in my front seat before I drive anywhere because I want to find the right CD before I get going. Which is exactly what we're like now with Netflix. Yeah, we're trying oh, to find something to watch. Terrible, it's, right? Same, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, that's awesome, though. You know. It's crazy. Like I actually am looking at this box going, there was a time where you'd see this and there'd be both monetary value, mm-hmm. emotional value. And now I'm looking at a shoebox filled with garbage. Yep. It's, I hate to say it, but I would never put a CD back on. There's no system in which I would place a CD. in. I don't even own. Granted, I'm about to go through mine and like things that I don't have on vinyl. Like I may keep some things, but you're talking about a thousand CDs yeah. and bringing it down to like 50. Yeah. I'm going to go from a thousand to 50. I was just so, thinking like, I don't even think I have anything in my, in my house right now that plays CDs besides maybe besides my PlayStation. 
I don't I don't own yeah, like a CD no. player. My computer they doesn't have, have a disk drive on it. Like, right. like <laughs> it's kind of wow. That's that's, that's a mind fuck right there. Yeah. I mean, well, well it's I, the same with like cassette tapes. Like, I I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. We've we've done one for Keep Flying. I think it's cool when bands press a hundred or two hundred cassettes. Yeah. But you got to know as an artist, most people are not even opening that thing. They're keeping it. Mm-mm. Uh, as a, as again, like a, as a keepsake, as a collector's yeah. piece, because there was only so few made. They're not listening mm-hmm. to it. No, it's the uh, novelty of it. It's being able correct. to be like, oh, check out this brand new album I have on a fucking archaic media right. device. Right. You know, like right. that's exactly yeah. it. And and yep. like that's cool. I think it's cool. Um, again, it's that's for fun though. That's for fun. There's no practicality there. No, you know, exactly. That's for fun. So. I think my dad is the only person I know that owns a cassette player right now. And I actually like, listened to cassettes with him a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and it was pretty wild. Yeah, I still have mine set up in my room, but it's like that's about to get thrown in the trash trash can here. Yeah. I mean, for I sure. might look for I might look for a good used old CD player slash cassette player to put yeah. next to my new my record player once I buy one when I'm done doing the remodels I'm doing. Just mm-hmm. so that I can keep the fifty CDs and thirty cassettes, and I'm like, these ones are awesome. Yeah, uh, just for that novelty purpose. But I would still not really ever use it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, I'd have no, to find one. Just I'd like have a, to find like a yeah. good old one that was made in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, that still rocks. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm sure like you can fi- you can probably pick one up at like a. I don't know, like a Goodwill or some kind of thrift store Correct. where somebody just right. kind of tossed it out there. and Right. Yeah. So yeah. You're not buying I don't a take new up, one of that. Yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your time today, but uh, uh, why, do you have any like, like, you know, we'll, we'll probably just end on this then. Do you have any like kind of crazy, like any kind of crazy tour stories, like shit that's happened or like maybe like working with a band for the first time and you're like oh well like it, well let's do this what was like the first band that you worked for or that you were you know playing with or whatever that you're like oh shit like this is big like i made it like what was that like, like i made it moment for you um it was 2000 and was it 2010 or 2011 Mm-hmm. 2010 I believe I was at that point two years into working for the Wonder Years I felt like mm-hmm. I was a member they had kicked or they, they had parted ways with their old keyboard player and I was convinced I was going to join the band on keyboard I was like convinced truly mm-hmm. and and they also knew that I wanted that but they decided that we were they were moving on without a keyboard player ironically mm-hmm. now they have had a keyboard for years now um yeah um we had been driving out on tour to go do a um showcase for hopeless records mm-hmm. soup with the time was his voice was giving out so i sang for them at two shows on the way uh in uh, Odessa, Texas, at oh, the nice. Pine Box, and then mm-hmm. at the Naylair, a house show in El Paso, and I believe we were on tour with Such Gold. Oh, um, wow. So I was singing with fans because he wanted to rest his voice before whatever show was happening in California. And I believe it was when we were in California. And I get things messed up, but I think this was that tour, but maybe it was a different one. But, mm-hmm. uh, I believe we were in Cali um, when we found out that we were getting 2011 Warp Tour full summer for the Wonder Years. Oh, man. And as a worker slash as a best friend of a band that I had just trudged with for two years, you know, mm-hmm. playing that at the time it was still DIY size. The same thing I'm doing now is house shows and bowling alleys and coffee shops, you know finding out that they're going to sign to hopeless or not, and then getting warp tour. I remember it was actually a celebration. I'll never forget that. 
we were in the parking <laughs> lot of like a strip mall with like, you know, the outside of a mall area. And I yeah. remember getting soup gave the news and we were all just screaming, jumping up and down, freaking out. Like, and then we went, we did a band meal at the Texas roadhouse, which I had a very sad salad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that was a moment where I really did feel like I made it, even though I wasn't in their band, I always felt like I was, cause I really was, yeah. wasn't a playing member. But for, for many years, I, I, I coincide with that band as a face. I dealt with all their fans, their community. Mm-hmm. I, I was there for their people, made sure to take care of their people. Um, yeah. catching kids every night, you know, mm-hmm. getting everything signed oh, for every I've kid. I've seen you at a I, lot of those shows. <laughs> right. Just always just yeah. putting my neck out. And as the band grew, you know, they did not less, but they were less involved with directly with fans. And I would be the in, in between. I would like, you know, be that mm-hmm. merger. So that moment, yeah. that moment felt like I was also getting the warp tour, which I did. And also mm-hmm. after that, I, I did my first year of warp tour and that's where I made most of the friends that I have today between 2011 oh, awesome. and 2019. I did warped every summer minus one, which I still attended and went and worked a couple shows. And, mm-hmm. um, it was just a new family. I had finally found a new family that I wish I had found even sooner, but I had no opportunity to get there until then. And so that yeah. was like when I really, like the first big victory I felt like I had when it came to music was, was, was getting that 2011 warp tour. Um, oh, man. that felt really good. A lot That's of people awesome. got a lot of horrible shit to say about warp tour and kevin lyman they 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 don't know they mm-hmm. don't know you don't know yeah. unless you, you 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 that tour going away was was the worst thing for so many people and myself included mm-hmm. that was a safe haven for me and a place where i can make most of my income and most of my social interactions and most of my new friendships for the next year like oh, like man. it was it was it was a such a wonderful thing as a kid yeah. for me going and then as an adult being a part of it and working. And, um, I'm really grateful for that. So yeah, that would be, that's the, that's the memory. That was such a, the salad. I'll never forget the salad that I ate <laughs> happily. No complaints. I believe it was oh, legitimately man. lettuce and like two cherry tomatoes and nothing else. I don't think it was Jeez. actually a salad. It was yeah, like what that, the that, best they could do. A salad at all. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse man. salad not recommended. Nah, man, so, that's that sucks. That warped warped is a huge part in a in so many people's lives. Like I never I never got to work it, but every year since two thousand four two thousand five something around there, I went you know to one or two shows, however many I could, and then I got the chance, I got the opportunity to work it in twenty seventeen. And uh, bless the fall need of the merch guy. And a friend of mine hit me up and was like, "Hey, send your resume to this to this email." And uh, I just I think I got like I got it while I was at work and I couldn't get on my phone. And then it was like you know too little too late type thing, and I missed it. And I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" But I still got to go and hang out. So, man, it was a fun place, man. Yeah. Again, you don't know unless you knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's hard to explain. I can't really uh, explain to people. If you weren't there, if you don't want to hear about it, then you're not going to hear about it. But if you weren't Mm -hmm. there and you want to, then there's so much good to hear. I mean, music cares, man. He, Lyman with his donations to music cares and having that be his main charity. Mm -hmm. Um, Music Cares paid for my two teeth that need to be worked on in full. Music Cares is taking care of me right now with the coronavirus of me being out of work. It's a real, real nonprofit company that is taking care of me twice now. Like it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, thank God to be honest, to be Mm -hmm. honest, like truthfully for me, I'm very grateful. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's it. We can probably bullshit for about 24 hours or more. We probably um, could. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we do another one where we have a little bit more, um, specific guidelines where we stick down the road here. 
Yeah. This that, that's what I like, you know, doing this this is like third episode or something. So it's kind of that's just cool. like feeling things out and going for it. But yeah, dude, I'd love to have you on again. I'd yeah, dude, I'd love to have you on and fucking Maybe we can, yeah, we'll get some real specific shit to talk about. We could talk about, like, the non-music stuff. We could do the, we could do the figures, and we can do the pop oh, culture yeah. stuff that you, that you oh, and dude. I both want to talk about. That would be great. Yeah, dude, yeah. we'll just have you be, like, a regular or something. We'll, that would be great. You know, we'll, we'll do some bullshit on some stuff. Dude, that'd be awesome. Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate I you, man. Thank you. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, I hope we get to play um, at least a show together soon. Yeah, that would be That's, that would be incredible. I would be, be all about that. If there's a dream goal, man, we love playing on bills with mixed bills with bands that don't make sense. But then after the show, you're like, that kind of did make sense. That kind of yeah. did make hey, sense. If, if I can do anything to make it happen, I'll fucking I'll do whatever. I know I can. you will. That'd be great. I know you will. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Well, yeah, be uh, be safe out there. Absolutely. Stay healthy. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. Keep in touch, man. Talk I'll talk soon. to you soon. Bye bye. There it is. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really had a good time talking to John. I can't wait to have him back on to talk about pop culture, wrestling or whatever. Hopefully some new keep flying stuff, anything. Guy's awesome. Can't wait to have another conversation. As always, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. So make sure to stay tuned and uh, I guess see you guys then. Stay safe, everyone.